Jesus said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I want to say good morning, but I'm not going to. Good evening, everybody. Uh, you know, before, we, before we dig into the text for tonight, I have a, a quiz for you, uh, a nickel question. What is the word? We Anglicans call this, uh, Roman Catholics call this day Holy Thursday. We call it Maundy Thursday, not Monday Thursday, which I've heard, but Maundy. Does anybody know where that comes from? Uh, if you don't know, you're about to find out. The word Maundy comes from, from the, it's a, a shortening of the word mandatum, which is a Latin word, which means commandment or mandate. So when Jesus says in the gospel, a new commandment, a new mandate I give you, Anglicans shorten that to Maundy, mandatum, Maundy Thursday. Did you know that? Well, now you do. But we're not, we're not going to talk about that today, actually. Today, we're going to talk about this idea of remembrance from 1 Corinthians. And, you know, ironically, and well, by God's providence, just the other day, I mean, just the other day, a couple of days ago, I logged into my Facebook account, and um, you know what Facebook is, right? You guys awake tonight? I logged into Facebook, and if you don't know anything about Facebook, every once in a while, I don't, I don't know how this algorithm works, but every once in a while, you get things that pop up on your screen that were pictures you'd posted from before. You ever seen that? So uh, this is pa this past Monday or so, this past week, and it said, memory, I think it's called memories or something, memories, and I had a picture of Easter Sunday from five years ago that I had posted and I'd forgotten about, and it was a photograph taken from right over there in the church, and it was a photograph of uh, my daughter Gracie, who was five years younger, so she was nine, right, eight, she was eight years old, and, uh, and then a couple of other people in this picture, and Gracie was, you know, this tall, flinging a palm, it was Palm Sunday, flinging a palm around, and, uh, and I'm looking at this photograph, and there's uh, several people in there, and I'm thinking, that's kind of strange, because one of those people is no longer here, they've moved, one of them has, has died, <laughs> and I just thought, wow, isn't that interesting how these things kind of, when you look at them, you look at these pictures, that all of these memories kind of flood back, right? And in fact, something which is funny for me is I remember that day, Palm Sunday, five years ago, being out in the courtyard there and another really funny picture that somebody took of Grace and she had her palm and she was actually jumping in the air, swinging it, and someone took a picture of her in midair. It's hilarious. And so anyway, but the point I want you to see here is, is that these memories remind us of things, don't they? These memories uh, kind of bring the past kind of into the present, you know, memories, and it can be all sorts of things. It can be, it can be uh, songs, it can be smells, it can be tastes, it can be a phone call from somebody, it can be a Facebook post, and the, being reminded of things is important because we get, at least I do, get caught up in the now, right, the tyranny of the urgent, somebody once said, and we, and we forget and we fail to realize how much the past, listen, affects us. And we forget about it until you see a photo or you hear an old song or one of your old buddies from Penn State calls you or somebody sends you a Facebook message or whatever, and then it all comes flooding back. Is it just me or does it happen to everybody, right? Okay. The idea is that we think of, listen, this is really, really important and profound. We think of an idea from the past, right? And then we, we mentally, cognitively, bring that event 
into the present, right? So I remember when Gracie was, you know, nine years old. I remember when being out in the courtyard. And you think about a past event, and you bring it into your consciousness, into the present. But here's a question I want you to consider. What if it actually worked the other way around? And if I've confused you, good, because I'm, try, I'm trying to make a point tonight about something very important. What if a memory didn't actually bring the past to the present, but actually brought the present to the past? And that sounds like I'm playing games. And actually, this is a very important idea. And the reason I bring that up today is because Jesus talks today in the Eucharist about remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. And we, as 21st century post-Enlightenment Western people, we always think of remembering as calling a past event into the present. And Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And he says it in the context of the Eucharist, where the sacrament, the institution, which was Maundy Thursday, the Thursday before Passover, where he celebrated the Last Supper and instituted the Eucharist. This is my body, Jesus says, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Some of the Greek manuscripts this is, say, this is my body, which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And what does that sound like to you? Well, for most people, it, it sounds like looking at a picture from five years ago. That when we eat this bread and we drink this wine, we are in some way reminded of the Last Supper. It's sort of like, you know, we think back to what it must have been like in that upper room all those 2,000 years ago. What if it worked the other way around? See, the word remembrance is an important, it gets translated into English from the Greek as remembrance. But it's actually an extremely important word. It's a Greek word, anamnesis. And the, the really tricky thing about this word remembrance, anamnesis, in Greek, is that you really, can't, you really can't translate it into English. And I'll explain to you why. Because in English, as 21st century Western people, we think of the past, the present, and the future as three distinct things, right? There was the past, which happened. There was the present, which is going on right now at whatever time it is, 628. And there's the future, which could happen down the road. But, but Greek doesn't actually work that way. The Bible assumes an entirely different idea of time. And I'll show you this. This idea of remembrance, anamnesis, remembrance, doesn't mean, the, doesn't mean to bring the past into the present. It means to bring the present, listen, into the past. Put it to you like this. This will make your head spin. When a priest or a bishop in apostolic succession consecrates the sacrament, uses the words of institution. He says, this is my body which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's first person. It's not my body and my blood. <laughs> Weird, that would be. But the idea here is not to actually recall a past event, but actually, listen to this, to transport us back to the original. The church has always believed, and the Greek works this way, that in some strange, supernatural, super-rational way, we are in some sense transported back in time, so to speak. Or you could say the past and the present come together. It's kind of a mystery. Nobody really knows how this works. But each Eucharist, each celebration of the Eucharist, is not the priest at the altar, listen, but Jesus at the Last Supper. <laughs> 
Anamnesis is not recalling a past event. It is going to a past event in the action that you're doing. Put it to you like this. Ready for this one? This is a zinger. Every time you participate in the Eucharist, which we're about to do in a few moments, you are actually, according to Jesus, participating in the Last Supper. Not only that, in some mysterious way, not only that, but every person who has lived from then until now, all the faithful departed, all the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we say it every week, they are worshiping with us in that upper room 2,000 years ago. The past and the present in some way kind of combine, come together. And all of us, all faithful Christians, then and now, the apostles, those who have died between then and now, and us in this room, gather together and praise God, saying, holy, holy, holy. Think about that for a minute. If this whole time-space thing breaks down, which according to the Greek it does, and Jesus uses that word specifically, that means that when I celebrate the Mass, or I'm celebrating the Eucharist, when I'm worshiping with, at the altar tonight, I'm actually also worshiping with my grandparents, who are all dead. My friend Jack, great guy, who died at 22 years old, college buddy, from cystic fibrosis. How about you? Who are you worshiping with tonight at the altar? We remember, we gather together, we participate together as one body in the upper room 2,000 years ago, the Thursday night before Jesus Christ was crucified. And in that night, he says to us, this is my body which is given for you. And this gets into John chapter 6 and a bunch of other things I can't get into tonight. But in that sacrament, we receive in the Last Supper the body and blood of Jesus Christ, truly present, really present, in the consecrated bread and wine, the body and the blood of Jesus present in those sacramental elements. How? I haven't the foggiest idea. But if you believe Jesus, that is what he tells us. And all throughout church history, starting with the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 11, we read about this power of blood. Do you ever notice in, in Acts chapter 11 when they decide what laws you're not allowed, you have to keep? The apostles say you can't, you, you uh, abstain from sexual immorality and from drinking blood. Wow, why that? Do you ever wonder why that is? Christians are allowed to eat shellfish, you know, eat pigs, all the things that were forbidden under the Jewish law, but the one thing you can't drink is blood. Do you want to know why? I'll tell you why. The Greek word for blood, is the Greek word for soul is the word suke, and according to the Bible, the suke, the soul, is an old Baptist hymn, the soul is in the blood. Here's the thing I want you to understand, this is wildly profound. When we eat the flesh of Jesus Christ in the sacrament and we drink his blood, we are actually, literally, taking his suke, his spirit, his soul, into ours. And if that sounds crazy to you, it's actually not a unique idea at all. If you know anything about Native Americans, what do they do when they kill an animal? They kill a deer, they kill a bear, they cut its throat, what do they do? They drink its blood to get what? The strength of the animal. It's the exact same idea. How about vampires, which don't really exist? But what does a vampire do? A vampire drinks blood and sucks the spirit of that in person into them. 
We eat the flesh and we drink the blood of Jesus to gain his spirit, his strength, his grace into us. My brothers and sisters, I think we are prone to look at the Eucharist in a much more mundane, boring, familiar way. Let me just challenge you to rethink it tonight, what it is we are, in fact, preparing to do. All Christians are invited at every celebration of the altar, listen to this, now and then and around the world, even tonight, we are all invited to be with Christ at the Last Supper 2,000 years ago. This is not a reenactment. This is not a repeat of an historical event, no. But in some strange, supernatural, super-rational, but true way, the altar is the very same table upon which Christ celebrated the first and only Mass. In some strange and supernatural way, we are all gathered together as one body in Christ with the apostles around that table 2,000 years ago, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. All of us, faithful Christians, dead and alive, gather together with our Lord and Savior at the table to worship God together, to receive his suke, his spirit, in the body and blood of the sacrament. Friends, this is the mystery that we are called to remember tonight, Christ's last meal with his followers, not as observers and not as a recollection, but as participants. Do this, Jesus says, in memory, in remembrance of me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.